is WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Upfront program for this uh, Wednesday. Mayor Lisa Baldelli-Hunt will be joining us, and we have a bunch of questions. We're going to divide our program with her into two segments. One will talk in the early part of the program about response on the part of the city, uh, corona-related um, announcements and questions and so forth. And then we'll get back to the old-fashioned game of politics and talk about uh, about hirings at City Hall and, you know, the stuff that we normally talk about. So it'll be an interesting program on the Upfront program a little bit later on, or, um, uh, when the mayor joins us a little bit later on. The Upfront program is officially now in progress. Jeff Gamash has joined us. Jeff, an interesting question from um, a listener, and, um, and I ask this because you'll uh, understand why I am including you in this question. It says, Roger, if restaurants can reasonably ex- be expected to follow social distancing guidelines through Columbus Day weekend, what do you think the odds are of being able to hold the Autofest celebration where bodies are normally shoulder to shoulder? Uh, this is from uh, somebody, and um, he didn't say especially in the bear tent, but I, I'm adding that on. That's where sometimes you get some, some of the closest uh, food row proximity, too. All right, so thank you, uh, caller, for your hypothetical question. And um, I, I know the Autofest committee itself is meeting um, um, tonight or tomorrow, uh, you know, on Zoom or something like that. And I guess um, they've got a lot of questions to discuss, not only this one. Yeah, and I have not spoke with Garrett Manseri, the uh, 2020 chairman of Autofest. Uh, I had received one brief communication a while back when it was earlier in the coronavirus pandemic. Something was leaking out online. Somebody had posted something about... You know, gee, thanks, no Autumn Fest. Thank you, coronavirus. And Garrett was uh, quite clear and quick to respond mm-hmm. to alert as many as he could that, no, we we have not called it. Uh, so right now they are planning on it. They're in a tough spot. You talk about the beer garden. You talk about Food Row, which is probably some of the tightest uh, crowds you can see, on, on, uh, especially following the parade on Monday. Talk about the parade route. Now, we know 4th of July has already been terminated by the governor. The parades uh, in Cumberland, uh, was it uh, Chapachet or Barville has one. Uh, the Ancients and the Horribles. Ancients and Horribles. Mm-hmm. And that's 4th of July. We also know August, I think, is a, is a big measuring stick because that's where the governor has canceled the... Uh, Folk Festival and Jazz Festival in Newport. Huge crowds. Fort Adams. Beautiful spot if you've never been for a concert down there. Um, so we know those have been canceled in August. So now we're saying five to six weeks beyond the, the, the Jazz Festival, that's where Autumn Fest is. It, it's a legitimate question. Uh, I am not speaking on any authority for Autumn Fest, nor am I sanctioned to. So uh, I'm going to hold short on that. What I will say is what a difficult spot to be in. I mean, just trying to, just, you know, saying in a, in a hypothetical world, if I was entertainment director, would I sign a contract for a headliner? Those contracts have clauses where they would get paid either way. So if you did have to cancel it, there are expenses. Once you contract into certain expenses, they're fixed. They're good news, golden. Um, moving forward, insurance. When I left the committee, we were paying close to 9000 a year on insurance. So those sort of expenses, they're going to be there, whether it's called off or not. It's a tough spot to be in, um, but that's why we have people in those positions to make those tough calls. A very good question. Legitimately, it, it, it could seriously be in jeopardy when you look at that folk festival cancellation. Other topics coming up. Scott McGee of REMAX Properties brings his years of real estate experience to you, whether buying or selling. Check out this property currently on the market from the McGee team. All right, thank you. And the uh, McGee team has uh, this nice property on Coast Street, 65 Coast Street here in Woonsocket, to be exact. And uh, at 279, we've got a lot of um, a lot of house here, built in 1900. This um, two-family cedar-shingled New England charmer is located in the burning section of the city, 
right off of uh, South Main Street. Super location, says Scott McGee. Very quiet and convenient to all. First floor features two to three bedrooms. Second floor has two bedrooms. And all around in very decent shape. Great for an owner-occupant or investor. And I'm looking at the house uh, right now on Coast Street here in Woonsocket. It's pretty. It's got uh, nice shrubbery and uh, a lot of nice uh, little uh, detail to the house. And uh, let me uh, see what the taxes are. 3500 a year. And, um, and with income, too. And what kind of income does it project here? Um, yeah, eleven ninety five in unit one and seven eighty five in unit two. If you rented them both out for a total income of nineteen eighty a month, or you could uh, live there yourself and collect one of the rents. Scott McGee would love to um, show this property to you. Back in a moment. The little red truck is at your service. We are A and R Trailer Rentals in Woonsocket. We're a company that has those forty-five foot storage trailers for rent or lease, and twenty-foot ground level containers are also available. And we offer leasing with the option to buy. We specialize in household and commercial storage for the public. So if you're looking for a place to store household items while remodeling or renovating, then look no further. We have your temporary storage needs available for a fraction of the cost of those storage facilities. And if you're looking to store seasonal items like uh, snowmobiles or jet skis, we have the perfect solution. Call Al Gagnon at 766-1919. Need temporary storage? With the little red truck, give us a call. And for your lawn and garden, we can deliver Wright's Farm cow manure, or you can select from an organic mix, which is a lab tested by the University of Maine for your lawn and garden, but also gravel, sand, clay, stone dust, and mulch available, delivered right to your property. Al Gagnon's Little Red Truck will bring it to you, and here is his number for rates and more information, 766-1919, 766-1919. And before we grab our first call of the morning, uh, let's uh, check in with Jeff at uh, Park and Shop Blackstone. Because it is Wacky Wednesday today, which features a few exclusive Wednesday deals. Hamburg Day, 80% lean Hamburg, $349 a pound, 85%, $369, and 90% lean, $399 a pound. Of course, as always, their freshly sliced domestic cooked ham, just $290 pound, $299 a pound, excuse me, sliced fresh right in the parking shop deli. With that, you're going to need some cheese, Land Lakes cheese on sale, now through Close of Business Thursday for only $449 a pound. Again, freshly sliced to order at the Park and Shop Deli. But while you're there, make sure to take advantage of two fantastic deals this week. Fresh center-cut boneless pork chops. Buy one package, equal or less of value. Buy one, get one free. There you have it. And even better than that is a buy one, get two free. No, I did not misspeak. Buy one, get two free. Fresh chicken drumsticks. At Park and Shop Supermarket. USDA Prime Certified Angus Beef, too. This is a quality cut of beef. Uh, boneless New York sirloin steak, just four ninety nine a pound. All at Park and Shop Main Street, Blackstone. Serving you today as they have for 101 years. Blackstone. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Well, welcome back to the Upfront program, and uh, we have Mayor Lisa Baldelli-Hunt ready to go, and we're going to uh, chat with her about uh, some of the uh, issues of the day. So, uh, good morning, uh, Mayor, and uh, how are you today? I'm fine, Roger. How are you? How are you, Jeff? Good morning, Mayor. Very well, thank you. Good well, morning to all the listeners. I thought we would break the program down into uh, two components today. Number one is uh, the early part of the program, talk about the city's response, uh, the administration's response, uh, and uh, corona-related announcements and things like that. And then we'll get back to old-fashioned politics uh, in the second half of the program, uh, talking about some of the um, issues that are not necessarily related to uh, the pandemic. So, um, willing to do it that way? that a question? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a question. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay, uh, well, I'm not going to 
really be getting into into politics. I don't think this is a time to be talking about politics. So mm-hmm. depending on what kind of politics you're yeah. talking about. Well, we're going to talk about, uh, just to give you a clue, uh, Paul Luber and things like that a little bit later on in the show. Okay. Okay. So anyway, let's uh, talk about uh, the issue uh, at hand. And uh, always a, a kind of a general uh, question uh, with a big opening and then we can narrow it down. And again, uh, here we are in early May and I'd like you to assess the uh, city's condition in terms of uh, where we stand with our response and and how um, our uh, public safety and public works officials are doing uh, during this situation. You're on. Okay. So, uh, first of all, I would just like to uh, thank all of the employees of the city of Woonsocket who have been coming into work and keeping the wheels of government turning and making certain that the constituents uh, still have the ability to communicate with the employees here and uh, and myself as mayor. I think that's important. So we have uh, really been fortunate uh, to have such a strong public safety team in Woonsocket uh, led by Director Gillette and their involvement within COVID-19 has been very deep and strong. So uh, they are this is what they're living uh, 24-7, in addition to the regular work that they need to do, but certainly keeping up to date with the Rhode Island Department of Health, Landmark, everyone that's uh, a partner of ours right now as we're we're battling through this. Mayor, I'm going to ask you about, um, you mentioned in our last interview uh, that you were working closely with uh, Oakland Grove, and Oakland Grove grabs um, a... uh, you know, Woonsocket isn't mentioned too often at the governor's news conferences, um, but it was mentioned uh, over the weekend when uh, Oakland Grove was uh, designated as a uh, uh, coronavirus care facility. They've uh, broken up the building into into two components, one for, for uh, corona patients and the other for their regular nursing home. I thought maybe you might want to comment on that because it's only one of two in the state uh, that's doing that. Yes, so it's one of two. The first was in Pawtucket, uh, the second in Woonsocket. I wouldn't be surprised if there were uh, additional ones uh, moving forward. That is a decision that is made through the Rhode Island Department of Health. That's not something that uh, the city of Woonsocket or our public safety officials choose to do. So we received a phone call on May 2nd, and we were notified from the state through the Rhode Island Department of Health that they had entered into a contract with Oakland Grove. Uh, as you uh, are probably aware, uh, Oakland Grove was um, unfortunately in a situation where they had more positive cases than anyone would like to see, and those positive cases were growing um, faster than uh, what what was, you know, it just was not a good situation. Um, the state of Rhode Island saw that, and they determined that it was important for them to begin to work even closer with Oakland Grove, and they partnered with them. Uh, I can tell you that uh, it is nothing that anyone wants to see, and certainly they're potentially could be other nursing homes that are in the same situation as that as they are mayor when we're watching some of the um, footage from the governor's press conference or president trump's press conference we hear executive orders thrown in a lot is there anything in your office is that a, a tool that you've ever used as mayor is that something that comes into play during the virus just monday night we see a, a piece of legislation brought forth uh with, with you with your support on uh Dining outside, I think they call it. Is it alfresco, your term you use, yep. Roger? When Socket Call said alfresco dining. When that was passed as a um, as an ordinance, is there any, have you ever considered the executive orders? Yes, so executive orders are, you know, at the discretion of, of, of the mayor. It's not something that I've used very often uh, throughout my time as mayor, but uh, the legislation that you're referring to uh, was legislation that I felt was important to introduce. And knowing that there was an upcoming meeting, speaking with restaurant owners, um, staying in touch with what their needs are and how we could help them, uh, this was something that 
I felt was very timely and I'm happy that the council agreed with that. So it was an ordinance that I submitted, um, which what happens, in, um, you know, you may be aware, you may not, but when the administration wants to submit a piece of legislation, we don't have the right to actually just place it on the docket with our name. So it is placed on the docket through uh, a, a counselor, which is generally the generally the president of the council. Um, it doesn't have to be. Uh, so this was introduced uh, on behalf of the administration uh, via President Gendron. Something uh, a, a piece like that you. Could, you, could it have been done at executive session when you chose to include the council on that? I'm just wondering how that highway works. Yeah, could you have done an executive order on that? Well, interesting you say that. So I may actually be moving forward with an executive order uh, because the problem I see with this is it's an ordinance and it needs two passages. Oh, so okay. that would mean the second passage would only take place at the end of May. Mm -hmm. And... The governor has moved forward with her phase one, which is now starting to show some benefit to the restaurants. And I don't think it is a good idea for the restaurant owners to have to wait until the end of May uh, to move forward with their outdoor dining. What I will do is I will see if uh, the, the governor um, issues an executive order on this in particular and uh, move forward piggybacking on hers, or I will speak with the solicitor about uh, introducing an executive order. So we do not hold the restaurant owners up. Mayor, I don't know if you know the answer to this question, uh, but somebody was asking me uh, this morning, um, outdoor dining, does that mean that uh, they can't do indoor dining, or is outdoor dining a way to extend seating in from the uh, inside dining room? So the loss of interior dining has an impact on the, on the owners. So if you can expand that to outdoor dining, um, just always following the guidelines and, and the restrictions that are in place as far as six feet apart and things like that, uh, then this will allow for more space to accommodate more customers with, you know, the eventual use of both, uh, or they may choose to use just outdoor, um, their choice. So it can include indoor dining in, in addition. Okay, I'm clarified on that. Thank you very much. All right, uh, now let's uh, talk about um, Public Works uh, Department here in the city of Woonsocket and that littering uh, problem. Uh, we, um, we just heard, uh, you know, that um, more people are just throwing mattresses here and there and, and so forth. And I don't know... Uh, just uh, how much uh, the police department can in get involved in in uh, chasing down these people uh, just must be just an annoyance to you. I don't know if you classify it any higher than that. Well, it's an annoyance and it's ignorance, <laughs> both. There's really no no there's really no need for anybody to be doing that. Uh, we have means for people to get rid of their trash, to get rid of their mattresses. Um, to get rid of anything they have. We have a very active uh, superintendent of solid waste, Michael DeBroyce. Um, you know, this is very near and dear to his heart. We are very focused as an administration on the cleanliness of the city, the quality of life. This is something we've worked on for years. And we hear so often from people, oh, the city looks beautiful, the city looks great. And then we come upon this situation where you know, more people are home, they're throwing things out, the trash is overflowing, they're deciding to clean out houses. Uh, we have a process where you can get your stickers and you can have things removed. You know, there are rules and regs in place for mattresses and box springs, but there's, there's a way for us to try to help with everything. And it's just unfortunate because we're taking resources, as in staff, from the Public Works Department, from the um, solid waste division, and we're using them to clean up other people's mess where we could be, you know, doing other projects. So we got a good handle on it. We, you know, Director D'Agostino, the superintendent, uh, DeBroyce, they, you know, worked something out. They're out there. They've got teams out there. We have a, a huge uptick in calls from people calling my office pertaining to a lot of things, but this is one thing in particular. You're absolutely right. We don't like to see it. Uh, we're very proud of our city. Uh, we enjoy the fact that 
our roads look better, our plantings look better, there's, you know, litter control in place, we have people out on the road doing that. So this is, this is an annoyance, you're right, and, and it's ignorant on people's part to do that. It's not fair. Mayor, when the uh, executive order from the governor is signed on Friday requiring face masks everywhere, including Woonsocket, as mayor, uh, do you uh, instruct your public uh, safety director, uh, Mr. Gillette, to instruct the police department to enforce this, or are you just hoping that people are going to comply? Right. So, first of all, we will review the language, and they will work to enforce that language keeping in mind I believe it says and I, and I, and I want to go back and reread it but if you're six feet away from somebody you're not mandated to be wearing a mask so if you're going for a walk Roger and you're by yourself as long as you're not going to come into contact with anybody you wouldn't need to be wearing a mask I think that's pretty clear Jeff that, that's the language in the upcoming executive order going into effect Friday that is what, uh, what the governor was speaking of at her briefing okay. on uh, yesterday. Uh, other than that, throughout the city, uh, are you getting any input from law enforcement as far as um, any public gatherings, any home gatherings, uh, people abiding uh, by the rules? We've seen some um, stories throughout both states, Rhode Island and Massachusetts, of actual conflict due to people not obeying social uh, distancing. Is is all well and peaceful on that front? It is. There's a very good handle on it through our police department because what we did was, as soon as this situation came into play and the new orders started to be disseminated from the governor, the police department immediately began to get on top of the issue. And we have details that go out who are monitoring areas throughout the city who go out on calls from people who have concern if they're hearing, you know, noise within an apartment, thinking there are more people than should be, or if there's a party there, or if there's a gathering somewhere. So, you know, the men and women in the Winsocket Police Department are out there, and they are monitoring that. And they're on top of it. The, uh, the, the functions are getting closer and closer, and I'm sure we'll draw into a little budgetary talk in a moment, but are you getting any feedback uh, from our state assembly? Any insight as to when they may, as we are now in mid-May, essentially, uh, just about, uh, are they getting any uh, input as far as when they're going to get to work? That I'm not certain of. I'm assuming that they're all very concerned about the state budget. I would think that other legislation, a lot of other legislation, has probably dropped to really the bottom uh, of the to-do list. And the importance right now would be the focus of the state budget because the state budget does have an impact on all 39 cities and towns. Yeah. So that is something, that, uh, you know, it, it's important to us. And we're hopeful that they can get through that as, as soon as possible. Mayor, excuse me, uh, Mayor, when the governor speaks um, about uh, just, uh, you know, she'll get on the air and say, I just got off the phone with uh, the um, um, mayors and town administrators and so forth. So apparently there have been some uh, conference calls with the governor, uh, with the uh, elected officials and appointed officials in the cities and towns. Have you heard anything about uh, federal stimulus money and, and how it might uh, uh, trickle down into Woonsocket, Rhode Island? The federal stimulus money is a conversation, at least a portion of our conversation, on one of our calls each day. So you're absolutely right. Uh, we have a call with the governor's office generally seven days a week. Uh, there may be days that we don't have it on a Sunday, uh, but their lines of communication are open 24-7. We have the cell numbers of everyone in her senior staff. Uh, we, the email addresses where, you know, we're emailing, uh, we're texting, we're sending our questions in through the Rhode Island League of Cities and Towns, who acts as the, the major point for the 39 um, mayors and town administrators. There is communication with the governor's staff all day, every day, and conference calls every single day. So there is, uh, I have to say, 
the lines of communication are open. Uh, any questions we have, any concerns, any ideas, uh, we send them in, and they're very responsive. They're actually, um, I shouldn't say actually, they're asking for ideas from the mayors and, and town administrators because we're, you know, we're boots on the ground too, and we're hearing from our community what the needs are. So they're asking us to relay that to them. That helps. So, for instance, one of our calls about a week and a half ago when they were talking about uh, eventually phasing in the opening of the restaurants, uh, David LaHousse and I had a, que uh, a conversation, and he had a suggestion. And I emailed that in, and on one of our next calls, they, they acknowledged the fact that that uh, suggestion came in uh, to incorporate into the, the terminology of and, and language of uh, what, what we would be following for restaurants to be opening. So it's important uh, for us. I spoke with a restaurant owner yesterday who sent me an email with his uh, questions, ideas. That's all something that I send, uh, you know, obviously a read, send off to the governor's staff, and they receive this from any mayor, town administrator, or anyone. The public can do the same thing. But it helps them to craft their uh, their phasing, their phase-ins. But will uh, do you know if um, we'll get any of that money uh, trickled down into Woonsocket? Oh, okay, going back to that question. So what is happening right now is every community is monitoring the expenses that they have for COVID-19. And we have tracking sheets sort of like what would happen when we have a blizzard and it's declared a state of emergency and then the cities and towns need to track the cost of that storm for us to recover and then we submit that to FEMA and FEMA will determine what each community will receive in reimbursement. So we are doing the same thing right now as far as what the costs are uh, during this COVID-19 period and what FEMA may not be covering, we are now beginning, uh, we have begun a second tracking system where what they may not cover may spin over into uh, the, the other tracking sheet, which would come from the $1.25 billion that you're speaking of. How much of it we will receive in reimbursement, you know, you don't know that immediately. And the final point before we move to uh, some other types of questions. Um, um, I think when you talked to Larry the other day, you might be looking to see if some funds might be available to uh, help local businesses who might not have been able to get some of that PPP money um, and uh, maybe uh, help them out a little bit. Is that uh, some of your thinking? Yes, that's, that's true. In fact, today I have a conference call uh, pertaining to that, and we will be reviewing uh, what we can do as a municipality uh, to help the small business community, uh, whether it's the restaurant industry or the restaurant industry and other small businesses, uh, we will learn how those funds can be used and for what industries they can be used. And if I get the thumbs up uh, from the officials that make that determination, then we will put together a plan to disseminate that information out to the, the small business community in one socket and we will immediately start to process applications to help them. Okay. Any other uh, related uh, stories uh, that you want to mention concerning the city's uh, response before we move to uh, questions away from uh, this topic? Uh, it, it, some, something may come to me as we okay. go along, Roger. Well, you just jump right in. Out. Okay. Thanks. Okay. All right. Thank you for allowing me to do that. <laughs> yep. Not a problem at all. Okay. Uh, uh, it's all about cooperation. As everybody says, we're all in this together. That's right. City council meeting. Paul Luber comes on to discussion. Is he or isn't he an employee? If he is an employee, how's he getting paid? And why do you need him? Paul Luber, you're on. Okay. Well, it's not Paul Luber, but it's me. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, to, to answer that very simply, um, it just, I'll, I'm just going to go back five years for those who may not know how Paul Luber uh, came here in the first place. Uh, Paul was appointed as the fiscal uh, advisor uh, when the Budget Commission came in 2012, when the Budget Commission left the city in 2015. Uh, they appoint through the Fiscal Stability Act 
a fiscal advisor. Uh, Paul Luba was the fiscal advisor that they appointed. And during that five-year period, there was a breakdown of different percentages of how he was paid. A portion of, of his uh, salary was paid through the state of Rhode Island. A portion was paid through um, the city of East Providence. And a portion was paid through the city of Woonsocket. Um, moving forward to where we are now, uh, Paul Luba is still here. He is still working. He's um, uh, an important part of uh, our finance team at this point, in particular due to the COVID-19. Uh, it, he, he is a, a wonderful resource in general, uh, but he has been a huge benefit to the city. And certainly with the tracking that we need to do and the amount of meetings that we need to uh, participate in and learning of what benefits are out there for the city, uh, he has been played an important, important role in that. So yes, he is here and he will uh, be here until June 30th. Is he helping with the budget preparation? Yes, he is. Uh-huh. A lot of, uh, lot of work for him, huh? It's a lot of work. It really is. And, and, and not only that, uh, there are other areas that he has been extremely beneficial in. And just I can just mention one to you that just comes to mind that because it's been so recent and it's been extremely time-consuming. And, you know, we, we still have a very, very small staff. Uh, mayors and town administrators, the governor's office, they're amazed at the amount of progress that the city has, been, has, has made with the amount of staff in place. And that's really a testament to the individuals who are leading the departments and the staff that they have within their departments. It shows that people who work for the city of Woonsocket are committed and they enjoy seeing the progress that happens. They take great pride in that. They're proud of the work that they're doing. But to go back to Paul for a second, uh, we have been working on, I have a goal of and, and I know there are others that ha have this goal also, and hopefully all the council agrees with this. But it is important to change out our streetlights uh, to LED. And there have been meetings with the town of Lincoln, the town of Smithfield, and a team was put together uh, to meet on a regular basis to go through, uh, you know, the RFP process, et cetera. And Paul Luba was the person uh, from Woonsocket doing that. And we are at a point where we're going to be getting, you know, moving forward and, and, and trying to get that over the finish line and bring those savings to the residents of Woonsocket. So that's something that he handled, and quite frankly, it was extremely beneficial. So his, you know, his, what he brings for financial benefit far, far, far outweighs the portion that we pay uh, for his salary. Mayor, on the economic development front, um, Domino's building is coming along, the Plasma Center at Walnut Hill Plaza, even though the rest of the plaza is shut down except for the post office, um, is uh, coming along. And then, of course, uh, when you were chatting with uh, Larry the other day, uh, the uh, Resch Corporation, the metal fabricators from Franklin, and, and their entrance into uh, Highland Park and back of Cumberland Farms. Um, so could you comment on economic development, even though we have a pandemic going on. It's important to, like I had said earlier, to keep the wheels of government moving. And this is an example of that. Prior to COVID-19, we were working uh, with Mr. Langley, uh, who was trying to determine where in the state of Rhode Island he wanted to locate. And Woonsocket was not the only city or town that was on his short list, but I felt it was important for us to do whatever we could do uh, to bring um, this manufacturing plant into, into Woonsocket. This is a 65,000, 60 or 65,000 square foot uh, building, uh, which, which will be built with 5,000 square feet of that would be a two-story office building. Uh, the, the nice thing also is, and I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, the owner of the company is actually a resident of the city of Woonsocket, and I think that's an interesting piece of the puzzle. Uh, so, yes, you, you have to continue to keep uh, as, as, as much progress moving forward as you can, and that's where the team of employees within Woonsocket comes into play. Our planning department, our zoning department, 
uh, our inspection department, they are laser focused on making certain that they are still out there doing inspections, obviously from the vehicle using their, their, you know, their electronics. Uh, they are still reviewing plans, still doing the necessary work that needs to take place in order for them to go before the boards for approval. You cannot stop progress. You have to work on a, on, a, a, on a parallel fashion. And this is one of the areas that we continued to drill down on to try to get uh, this to come to fruition. So now that we have the Luber question answered and the economic development question answered, how about Mr. Ward's, um, uh, I guess he went on for quite a while. He's saying he's not getting financial reports from the city of Woonsocket on a timely basis. That's what I drew from it, uh, from the council meetings. What's your response about um, getting the um, finance director to get those reports to the council? If there's ever a reason why something isn't given to the council as quickly as they'd like it, it's either A, because they're still gathering the information, or B, they're inundated with work, and some things have timelines that are critical. Uh, but there isn't anything that the council uh, asks for that they can't have. So just so I'm clear, Roger and Jeff, and to everyone listening, this administration is unequivocally as transparent as as you can you can be there is everything we do do you do you happen to remember the condition of the city 6 years ago do you happen to remember what our roads looked like what our finances looked like we were nearing bankruptcy maybe if the budget was looked at more closely back then we wouldn't have been in the situation that we were and how we've been continuing to try to dig ourselves out of that so some of the very people who are complaining were actually individuals who were monitoring the budget, but either by design allowed those things to slip through the cracks or just didn't pay attention. And there's any information the council wants, they can have. You just asked me a question about Paul Luba. I just gave you the answer. That's the answer. And I have a city to run. I was elected to lead this city, and we always do what we feel is best for the community. So, for instance, there was a question uh, Denise Sierra had. She emailed the director on a Friday. I had the email in front of me. She received the answer on a Wednesday. Uh, Council, Councilman Ward indicated he didn't receive something. She went downstairs to get it. it she, she had emailed him back in April. So, you know, some of these things I, I really feel are being done by design in order to try to create an atmosphere that doesn't exist. And it's really unfortunate because elected officials are not elected to do that. They're elected to work as a team with any other elected official, whether they like them or they don't like them, for the betterment of the community. So we continually do that even though we have people who, it appears, try to, you know, stall things or, you know, create this environment that truly does not exist. Mayor, we have a few uh, remarks from Mr. Uh, Gamasha. What do you have, uh, Jeff? Well, I was in the other room taking some calls from citizens that had questions for the mayor, and I wonder if I could uh, relay a few on their behalf, Mayor. Absolutely. Uh, one gentleman, uh, two, uh, uh, first two revolved around canines. Uh, the first question from a gentleman was he sent his check-in for his dog license. How does he acquire it? Does it go to City Hall? Is it being mailed out? I will ask the city clerk that question. I know uh, she had reached out to my office uh, pertaining to needing some assistance with the distribution of the paperwork for people to renew their licenses. Uh, we got that done. Um, I'm certain she got that out because he received it. But what I will do is I will check on that, and I will let you know the answer to that question. Fair enough, and we'll, we'll, of course, report it here in the morning upon uh, receipt of the answer. Another question uh, from a, another dog owner in the city. And plus, remember, a lot of us do get the licenses at the Raby Clinics. It became a, a two-in-one stop um, over the past several years, which is the question is we see some restrictions begin to be lifted throughout the state of Rhode Island. This dog owner wants to know, will there be a second attempt to bring a rabies clinic into one socket as it's about 20% of the cost of going to the vet for that important shot? 
I agree. The rabies clinic is extremely important, and Director Gillette and I had that conversation a few days ago, and he is working uh, with the information from the state pertaining to how they're handling rabies clinics. And as soon as we have a green light where we can schedule one, our plan is to schedule a rabies uh, clinic. Another uh, caller, uh, sorry to fire these off in rapid fashion, another caller called and asked if you've had any discussion with the education department about uh, fall school activities. I don't know if it's too premature to engage in that conversation, but the listener was inquiring, uh, is there any chance of a normal school year in the upcoming fall session? That's the goal. Uh, when, when you listen to the, uh, the Department of Health, the governor, certainly the superintendents, everybody wants normalcy for school. And I think it, the important thing is that we need to continue to follow uh, you know, guidelines as far as you know, hand washing and things like that. What we don't need is a surge uh, in, in uh, positive testing coming toward the end of the summer and the beginning of the school year because what will happen if we have a repeat, if, if, if we have this situation that we've been living through and then we have a calm period through the summer but there is uh, a lot of large gatherings and then we could eventually be back to where back in the, the fall comes, we could be back to where we were earlier this year and that's what we do not want because we'll end up affecting the school year again. So as uncomfortable as it is, or actually it's kind of become pretty much standard seeing everybody walking around with a mask, everybody has dry hands <laughs> from washing their hands so much, and, you know, you don't see any hugging and, you know, kissing on the cheek or, you know, greetings of handshakes or any of that, and there's a reason for it. We're all trying to keep each other healthy. So uh, I am really hopeful uh, that we are back to normalcy in the next school year. And uh, I gotta say, Roger nor Richard have given me a hug in weeks, Mayor. So <laughs> that's uh, okay. Uh, and the final question, the fourth call I took was uh, number one wanted to give their greetings to you, uh, and kind of a blanket question where they wanted to know what's been the most difficult part for you as a as a mayor guiding through this coronavirus. I don't know. That's kind of an open question there. Softball well, question well, for you, Mayor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's interesting because what we say now is there is no Wednesday, there's no Sunday, there's no Tuesday. It's just day. So you literally wake up in the morning and you have to concentrate on what day is it today. Because every day is COVID-19 for all the mayors and town administrators. Our lives revolve around that constantly making certain that we're keeping up to date on what we can do for the community, Con continuous conversation throughout the day with our public safety officials, making certain that anything we may happen to see along the way that needs to be tweaking, tweaked, adjusted, new ideas for, for safety, it is our entire days revolve around COVID-19, and it's making certain that as a leader, you're doing everything you possibly can uh, in order to keep your community safe. It's, it's a burden that every mayor and town administrator has right now. Nobody imagined we'd be in this situation. Good morning, Mayor, writes the C. Mailer. What is the weekly salary for Scott Gibbs as interim planning director, and how many hours per week is he working for the city? I understand he doesn't do that job at all. He's uh, the redevelopment agency uh, director, isn't he? Scott Gibbs is... How many hours a week does he work? Yes. Well, if, any, if anyone knows Scott Gibbs, he probably works 60 hours a week. Um, I, I sent Scott a question uh, one evening, and he said, well, I will be up and working at 530, so feel free to call me any time after that. And I thought, I don't think I'll do that. I don't want to upset your household. Uh, but Scott, Scott is, you know, works far beyond generally 40 hours a week. But if it's a general question like... Scott Gibbs. Scott Gibbs is uh, handling the planning department, and he is receiving whatever the budgeted salary is. So, yes, he is in the planning department. Oh, yes, he is. Uh -huh. Absolutely. Right. Uh, he is um, handling. He's partnered with me on Resh Manufacturing, uh, where we've got 
other projects uh, happening within the city, and he has picked up all those pieces, and he's down there getting it done. All right, caller uh, or uh, emailer, I hope you are satisfied with that answer. Um, one more uh, question I have on my um, on my little list here. I was looking at the council meeting um, agenda and some of the stuff that they were going after, and and I don't quite understand what was the purpose of limiting weekly salaries. Um, I asked Mr. Gendron yesterday; he gave me an answer, but when he finished, when I listened to the answer, I didn't know exactly what the answer was, so maybe you could take a shot at it and uh, maybe put it in layman's terms. What did that ordinance, what was it about? <clears throat> was it uh, a nasty ordinance or was it uh, a worthwhile ordinance clarifying something? What was his answer? Well, he uh, he gave a long answer and, and I didn't, I, at the end of it, I told him I didn't qu- quite understand it, so... Um, so I don't know what his answer was, but he did answer it. <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> I have, well, uh, no, I can't give you an answer uh-huh. because nobody gave me, uh, you know, but nobody reached out to me to say we're going to put this uh, ordinance in because we think it's beneficial for, uh, you know, the city of Woonsocket and there's a reason. Um, I have no idea. Maybe, Maybe it was... Paul Luba? I have no idea. I think uh, a short answer would have been sufficient. So when you get that answer, can you let me know? Yes, I will uh, okay. let you know. And right. he'll probably call me back today and say, what do you mean you didn't understand my answer? It's right. online. We can go look at yeah. it. Maybe I should go listen to it again. Okay. Send me that clip, will you? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, maybe you can understand his answer maybe, anyway. Maybe I can. Maybe I can. Just just keep something in mind. All right. Um, hey, when, that's, it to, um, when it comes to city finances... You are represented by a very frugal mayor, and we are very satisfied as an administration when we recognize that we can get a job done and we can save the taxpayers of Woonsocket money. And we've been doing that continuously throughout the last six years. That's our job. That's why we've had tax, other than the first year when the Budget Commission left, uh, we've had tax decreases every single year. So for a community that was nearing bankruptcy, a community that was supposed to have five years of tax increases, uh, we've had a tax decrease every year but the first year. So we are are extremely conscious of the taxpayers' dollars. And, you know, the the company that, uh, Resch, that's looking to come into Woonsocket, um, the importance of the road to go into Highland Corporate Park, which will benefit CVS Health and all the other companies within the park. That's a road that, generally speaking, in an administration, that's a road that would, for the most part, go out to bid, cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, probably, you know, a million dollars. It, it needs all the infrastructure. That road is going to be built under the direction of Director D'Agostino. Hey, he is going to build that road, and he is going to save hundreds of thousands of dollars to the taxpayers. Mayor, you brought up the question, I'm blaming you, you brought up the the subject of um, of holding the tax line, cutting cutting taxes. Now, what about the government, the budget up and coming with all these expenses and so forth? How are you doing on that? We are almost finished crafting the budget. And I can tell you that I... This budget will not be a burden on the taxpayers. That sounds, uh, Jeff, to me like she's uh, got no tax increase in mind, but no decrease in mind. What do you think, Jeff? Would you like to speculate on that? My speculative is if you could come out holding the line, that's a blessing under the current (laughs) situation that we are in. As you may have said, we have no idea. How can you present this municipal budget not knowing the state's trickle-down effect? I mean, (coughs) if you manage that, I mean, that's as good as it gets right there. I don't know. Any further comment, Mayor, or would you like to say goodbye to us today? (laughs) Uh, Well, I would just like to say uh, that... First of all, um, thank you for having me, and also know that if there's ever a uh, you know a question that you have, feel free to reach out, and and you don't have to wait for me to be on mm-hmm. um, on the second you know Wednesday or whatever yeah. it is. All right. Um, I would like to mention one thing, and it's 
Um, not that I'm being a bragging parent, uh, but I think it's important for parents and grandparents to, to know uh, that there is a resource available to high school students um, in the area of STEM. So if there are students who are having a difficult time uh, with questions pertaining to the sciences um, or STEM in particular, um, my son What's STEM? Has yeah, what is STEM? As to science, technology, the whole STEM system, math. Um, so there is a website. It's called Sprout in STEM. There was an article in the newspaper this past um, week. It was Sunday, I believe, yep. Yeah, right. so there was an article, and that resource is free. It's available to, you know, any high school student. Uh, there are high school students that are taking advantage of it from classical high school, from Mount St. Charles Academy, um, and other schools. And it's a team of, of individuals who are either have already graduated from college, uh, they could be studying to take their MCATs for medical school, they could be in medical school, um, engineering students, and if you go onto that website, um, you can register and you can submit your question and one of the uh, mentors on that site will help you um, to understand uh, what maybe you're stuck on in that particular area. And your son is part of that team, right? My son developed it. All right. Oh, wow. All right. Yes. Well, congratulations so, to him and, and to you and uh, Ed as good parents. Well, thank, thank you. It, it was all his doing. And, uh, yes, we are very proud uh, of the work that he's doing with this. It's a, it's a really nice um, site to go on, and it's, it's available. So if anybody has any student that's child that's struggling, and, you know, relieve them of that frustration and send them over to, to this site. Thank you, Mayor, for joining us. Have a good day. Thank you. Same to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mayor Lisa Baldelli-Hunt on the Upfront Program. Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Still on sale, Tisdale Wines from California. In six varieties, including a Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and a Moscato. And yes, it's still two bottles for $10. Share in life's endless possibilities with Tisdale Vineyards of California. Quality wine. And the sale goes on. On Kettle Vodka, $32.99 for the 1.75 liter bottle. And Bacati Rum, the 1.75 liter bottle is only $23.99. And we continue the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light, 30 pack, $25.50 plus tax. Champs Liquors for Keyway does high rise and senior complex delivery service too. Champs Liquors for Keyway, Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Hey, that's it for uh, the upfront program. Thank you, Jeff, for your uh, assistance uh, today as usual. Thank you, sir. And we'll be looking forward to seeing everybody tomorrow on the Upfront program. Chris Boulay will be uh, stopping by, and uh, we'll be uh, chatting about the issues of the day from uh, sometimes a financial point of view. Bye-bye, everybody. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Woonsocket. socket.